You are listening to audio from The Table. If you'd like to learn more about our community or donate to this ministry, please visit thetabletx.org. Hello, Table Podcast listeners. Grace and peace. Brett here, and it is so good to be with you all yet again. So we are in, let's see, this is message number two in our First Peter Part 4 series. So over the past year or so, we've been just making our way through this small New Testament book. And last week we talked about turning our concept of leadership upside down. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about the problem of anxiety. Um, but this week, the title of my message is The Great Deflation. The Great Deflation. Our text is 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 6. And I'm going to do something a little bit different this week. I'd like to read two different versions of it. So the first is going to be from the New Living Translation. The second will be Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible. So a paraphrase differs from a translation in that a translation is generally trying to get each word correct. Whereas um, a paraphrase is really trying to get the idea of a sentence correct. In other words, a paraphrase asks, what, what is the idea this passage in the original Greek um, is kind of trying to get at, and how do I say that in plain English? So that means a translation tends to be more word-for-word word accurate, but a paraphrase is often much more readable and understandable. So if you have ever struggled to consistently read the Bible, if much of it you find just completely incomprehensible, I highly suggest you get a copy of Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible called The Message. Okay, so let's start by reading a translation of 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 6. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For, and here he's quoting Proverbs 3, verse 34, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he, God, will lift you up in honor. Now, the Greek word being translated here as humble is the word tapenafrasune. I know that's a mouthful. Tapenafrasune means humiliation of mind or lowliness of mind. This might make it sound initially as though God wants us to be humiliated, uh, but that's not quite accurate. Instead, think of humility as God in his grace bringing us back down to earth. So if pride makes us lord it over others, if pride inflates our sense of self, then humility is the great deflation. Like a balloon pricked by a pin, wheezing out its air in a shriek. See, humility is not thinking bad things about myself or putting myself down. No, humility is returning to who I am. Just like that balloon, after being pricked by a pin, returns to its natural form. So we return to our natural selves. Now, this brings us to the marvelous paraphrase by Eugene Peterson. What I want you to notice is that while he never says the word humble or humility at any point, what he's doing is he's putting the meaning of tapenafrasune into plain English. So Peterson paraphrases 
chapter 5, verses 5 through 6 in this way. And you who are younger must follow your leaders. But all of you, leaders and followers alike, are to be down to earth with each other. For God has had it with the proud, but takes delight in just plain people. So be content with who you are. Don't put on airs. God's strong hand is on you. He'll promote you at the right time. Bravo, Eugene Peterson. What what does it mean to be humble? Humility is the grace of you being you. You might say, it's you naked. You might think to yourself, this is is a Christian podcast. You shouldn't say naked. (laughs) Well, I mean it more uh, metaphorically, Uh, but sort of literally. I mean, Think of it like this, like, who are you without your fancy clothes or titles, your fancy roles, stories, identities? Who are you without your masks? Who are you when all that remains is simply bare you and God? Can you see how those questions go right to the depths of our souls? And can you see how the more un real, the more invulnerable, the more inflated we have been, then the more the great deflation of ourselves can feel like a humiliation. It is not a humiliation. It's just us coming back down to earth, but it feels like it. I'm reminded of the the popular show Schitt's Creek that it it felt like everyone was watching this. Everyone in America was watching this during the pandemic. Um, So many of our listeners, you're you're probably familiar with this, but um, I'll recap it for those who who aren't familiar. Basically, we follow the Rose family as they go from being some of the most wealthy people in the country to just regular people. In the first episode, we see the great deflation happening in real time. We watch as they go bankrupt. Federal agents storm their mansion, begin to cart off all of their prized possessions. We watch as they desperately try to grab clothes and jewelry to hang on to, anything to retain a sense of their old life and identity. We watch as they are forced to take refuge in the backcountry town of Schitt's Creek, where they live in a dodgy motel and have to adjust to working regular jobs and drinking cheap coffee and wine. In fact, there's a little moment where the mother who, um, her name is Moira, she does have a drinking problem, but she, uh, especially in this season of transition, we'll call it that to be gentle, she's drinking more and more. And she has this moment where she grabs this bottle of wine and just pours herself a glass and drinks it, like throws it back. And she says, oh, this wine is horrific. Pour me another glass, David. If, if you'd like, a, actually, a, this is another good picture that kind of captures the whole great deflation. So in the opening of season two, the like, I mean, like literally the opening shot, we see the character David, who's like their son, though he's in his maybe late 20s, early 30s. Um, but he's always wearing fancy clothes. And he's got this, I mean, it's some sort of super cool hoodie. It's like a Louis Vuitton hoodie. But he's sitting in a field holding a wooden pitchfork, working alongside an Amish girl. Um, 
That's such a perfect picture of the great deflation in the Rose family history. And as I take it, the point of the show is not simply to make fun of the way that, oh, wealth and addiction to status can make us look foolish. Instead, I think at a deeper level, it's really a parable of how insecurity and loneliness masquerade as arrogance, while humility is content to wear no mask at all. Because while it's true that at the beginning the roses are very arrogant, it is not true that they are confident and secure in who they are. The Rose family story is not one of blissful happiness in their wealthy, status-addicted life and then sadness in their new humbled one. Not at all. While they must go through the great deflation, eventually they realize that actually in the past, when they had, quote-unquote, everything, they were living in unreality. They had lost touch with each other and even themselves. They had been wasting their life. But now humility has helped them find it, has saved them. In other words, scratch a prideful person. And what do you find underneath? Not what we would expect. I mean, we might expect like confidence, maybe too much confidence. No, no, scratch a prideful person. And what do you find underneath? Insecurity and fear. We inflate ourselves because we fear that who we are is not enough. In a similar way, scratch a humble person. And again, what do you find? Not what you'd expect. You don't find like, oh, someone who hates themselves because they're so humble. No, 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 the opposite. Scratch a humble person and you find security and joy. Joy because they are relaxed and comfortable in their own skin. They have accepted themselves. Is this not exactly what Peter and Eugene Peterson, his marvelous paraphrase from our book today are naming? Let's look again at these turns of phrase from chapter five. God takes delight in just plain people. That's the last part of verse five. God takes delight in just plain people people. What does he mean by plain people? Like boring people? People with a vanilla personality? No, I I guess God does delight in those kinds of people. But the, the point is that God delights in people who have learned to be themselves. A mark of Christian maturity is learning to be exactly who God created me to be. Learning to be my true self. As we've often said here at the table, following Jesus is not so much about adding things to ourself. It's often much more about stripping away, letting go of things, letting go of stories that have defined me, letting go of roles that don't fit me. Letting go of the need to please everyone around me. Letting go of what others think about me. Letting go of the need to project perfection to the world around me. This leads to another key phrase from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. He says, be down to earth with each other. What does that mean? To be down to earth in a relational sense. That means we aren't pretentious with each other. 
And what does pretentious mean? We aren't trying to present to be more than we are. We aren't trying to present as smarter, more important, more cultured, more talented than we are. And of course, every social context invites its own form of pride, its own lack of down-to-earthness. I think of, for example, the college classroom. How does that invite us to not be down-to-earth with each other? Well, I think it invites us to pretend to be smarter than we actually are. You know, to kind of get in that who's the smartest person in the room competition. What about a family? I think even just being in a family, this sort of invites us to project to others that our family is more perfect and well put together than we actually are. Even something as simple as a casual neighborly conversation beckons us to present as more successful or richer than we actually are. Even the church can tempt us to posture as more spiritual, more holy than we actually are. But you see, humility is, done, is doing away with all of that. Humility is the practice of learning to um, relate to others in a down-to-earth manner. It's us being us. It's us being honest about our strengths and our weaknesses. This leads us to our third key phrase. He says, be content with who you are. Verse 6. There's a short poem from the poet artist Paul Grout that has never left me. And, and the part I can remember is actually very short. I, look, I tried to find the poem online. I could not find it anywhere, um, but I actually heard him speak it in person and um, it's never left me. So in this short little section of a poem, he's reflecting on the rise of the modern era. Just so much of our living has changed. Technology has just altered our world drastically. We relate to each other in such different ways. And, uh, you know, arguably a lot of it, not for the better. So Paul Grout, he wrote these words. He said, this is what has been lost to us. The night sky. Dancing round a fire. Comfort with our bodies. With our faces. Sharing that loss. Grieving the loss. The line in particular that I think of often is that line, comfort with our bodies, with our faces. I wonder, how would our world be different without mirrors? How would our world be different without selfies and, Lord help us, filters? Comfort with our bodies with our faces, comfort with our smiles and crooked teeth. I would add comfort with our laughs, with our personalities, comfort with our strengths and our weaknesses, comfort with our divorces, comfort with our business that did not succeed, comfort with our children gloriously beautiful and rebellious as they are. Comfort with families who cannot understand or accept parts of us. Comfort 
with our shabby home, grungy carpets and all, comfort with our skin, education level, income, comfort with our bodies, with our faces. You see, friends, church is the place of the great deflation. The kingdom of God is the place of the great deflation. Church is the place where we learn that Christ loves us unconditionally. Kingdom is the place where we learn to be our true selves. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.